Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Welcome back. It is your hat. It is your uh, post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Utah Jazz get the W tonight, one eighteen one oh two. Final from Salt Lake City. Took a minute to get going. Alex Curie, JP Chunga, breaking things down here for you. We're going to get you uh, as soon as we can. Your uh, coaches sound, your players sound from the podium, all of it to be able to get a picture as to what happened last night. But uh, JP, in the end, a sixteen point win. It was really that third quarter that made such a huge difference. It was a 16-point swing in that quarter. And that's where the Jazz were able to kind of find where they were at there. And uh, so let's get to Coach Hardy right away here in the postgame. Take a listen. And learn not only over the course of the season, but in a game. And I think tonight was a good example of that. Uh, San Antonio came out, put a ton of pressure on the ball. They did a great job of denying us early in the game. They were top-locking Lowry. Um, Their physicality. And their intensity on that end, um, it took us out of our rhythm early in the game. And our team had to adjust as the game went on on both ends of the floor. Um, how to guard their constant movement. They back cut as, men, as much as any team in the NBA. Um, moved the ball from side to side a ton. A lot of player movement. And then for us offensively, it was about getting to our spacing, um, trying to play more off of our defense and get out in transition, which I think in the second half we did much better. So I'm um, just proud of the team's ability to learn in a game and not have to wait till a film session after the game and adjust before the next time we play San Antonio. Um, this is what you have to do if you want to win. You have to be able to adjust on the fly, and I thought our team did a great job of that tonight. A lot of guys contributed. Um, you know, five guys in double figures, three guys had nine points, so um, twenty-eight assists. I thought it was a, another good team win. Seems like the momentum really started to change when you went to that small ball lineup. What did you like out of that look? Yeah, I thought um, number one, it gave us a lot of switchability defensively. Um, try to keep the ball in front, and then I thought it gave us an advantage in terms of being able to play with a little bit more pace, um, multiple people that could push the ball. It just helped us to get out and transition a little bit more, I thought. Um, you know, Lowry at the five, but also like Juan playing that sort of five spot off the bench was tremendous for us tonight. I just thought that the the pace with which we were able to play offensively um, and the switching on defense was was where we needed to go in tonight's game. We've been talking about Ochai, um, 
looking to be more aggressive or maybe that's the next step when he gets passes out to him. It looks like he did that tonight, driving to the hole and looking to score instead of passing. Yeah, Ochai, um, you know, he's continuing to find his way. Um, it's, I'll continue to say this over and over again, like it's hard to do what Ochai's doing. Um, to go from the career that he had in college, being the focal point of a team, and then you come in and now you're a role player. You're not the focal point of the team. You're not getting a ton of things run for you and how you find your way within a game. Obviously, we're starting to run a few more actions for him here as of late, but um, you know he's done such a good job as the season's gone along of just kind of steadily growing. And he knows now that he has the belief of myself and his teammates. Um, and so I think that's ultimately freeing him up to be more aggressive. Um, most importantly, the belief of his teammates. Like, his teammates are looking for him. Um, they find him when he's open. And they're all encouraging him to not only catch and shoot, but to attack off the dribble. Um, his athleticism on both ends of the court continues to stand out. And, you know, we think that there's a lot of room for growth for Ochai. But I think it's a great sort of balanced night for him. He shoots five threes, he shoots four free throws, um, and ends up with 14 points. Like, it wasn't like he just bombed away from three, you know, to your point. So he's he's learning and growing. And, um, you know, the next step is sort of finding that consistency, right? And that's hard to do in his spot because um, some games just aren't necessarily set up for you when you're a role player. Like, the ball doesn't find you as much. And so that's on us as a staff to – continue to, to keep Ochai involved in the game and um, continue to run a few more things for him. Chris Dunn's known as a defender, but at times tonight it seemed like it was important, or he played an important role in getting the offense going when nobody else was able to do much. Yeah, Chris played with a ton of confidence tonight. Um, 13 field goal attempts, uh, and I thought they were all good ones. He did a great job with the ball, bringing it up the floor. Um, did a good job attacking off the dribble. We went to a lot of, a lot of stuff playing, you know, versus their smalls and against their switching, um, and kept our big out of the action. And I thought that Chris did a great job attacking off the dribble. He did a good job getting out in transition. Um, I think everybody got to see Chris's competitiveness. Like he's got a real fire to him when he plays and. Um, he has the ability to, to kind of change the tempo of the game. He got the steal in the first half and goes down for the dunk. Like he's, he has the ability to make a lot of plays um, to impact winning. Um, obviously, 15 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, and no turnovers is a great night. Um, but I thought that he, he did it all within the construct of how we're trying to play. Like I didn't feel at all like he went rogue at any point in the game. So that's a real credit to him and his ability to pick things up quickly. Again, Chris has been here three three days, maybe four now. So um, he's been very impressive with his ability to, to learn on the fly. You mentioned the Spurs were top-locking Lowry early. It seemed like he was struggling a little against Sohan's defense, and then the next thing you know, he was dropping 14 in the fourth quarter. What was kind of the big adjustment for him? Uh, I thought his pace changed. Um, you know, number one, you can't just give in to top-lock. Like just because somebody stands on top of you doesn't mean that you have to just go the other way. Um, and I thought his aggressiveness picked up. Also, we, you know, we went to a little bit more ball screen with him as a screener and tried to put him in the middle of the floor where he had some space. So, you know, it's not just 
the players that learn throughout a game. Like that's our job as a staff as well is to understand what's going on in the game and try to make some necessary adjustments to get guys in spots where they can be successful. So, um, you know, I think getting him in the middle of the floor as a screener ended up being good for us. You don't necessarily always want to go to everything early in the game. Like you see something three minutes into the game, you don't want to immediately, you know, you have 45 minutes left in the game. So you, some, some of it you're, you're sort of holding um, as you're trying to learn about your opponent within a game. So um, he did a good job of just kind of picking up his physicality on the offensive end, which is something we've stressed a lot with Lowry. Like physicality, that term is a lot of times used on the defensive end or rebounding. But, you know, to be one of the best players in the league and to be a focal point of a team, you have to be physical on offense as well. You have to fight for your space and really have to work hard to sometimes even just catch the ball. So uh, he did a great job. You'll credit to Sohan, though, that uh, – that kid plays really hard and um, clearly has a very bright future. His competitiveness and like energy on the defensive end really stood out. It stands out on film. Um, so he's a he's a heck of a young player. Um, I really respect the way he plays the game. Lowry on Thursday said he feels maybe this is the most athletic he's been in his career. Like he's just more athletic than he was last year or two years ago. Do you feel like you and your coaching staff have anything to do with that, or is that just Lowry's offseason work? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take any credit for Lowry's athleticism. Um, I think it's awesome, and we try to use it as much as we can. But um, it, it's one of the things that really jumped out when we first got Lowry here in person is, you know, the conversations we had as a staff was like, he's way more athletic than maybe we thought. And I don't know if that's we were seeing him in some different situations because we put him in different situations and also – He's kind of entering the prime of his physical life. He's 25. And so I think um, I got to meet a strength coach that's worked with him from Finland yesterday. Uh, told him that he's doing a great job and should continue whatever he's been doing. Um, because Lowry has said the same to me. Like, he feels great about his body. And I think that gives him a lot of confidence when he plays. Like, he knows that he's in great shape and that he – uh, is mobile and strong and has the ability to recover, like you get confidence from the work that you put in. So it's, it's another part of kind of Lowry's story where we should all give Lowry and, you know, his work ethic and the people that he's worked with like a lot of credit because the confidence doesn't just come from your ability to make a shot. It's he feels confident in the way that he can compete and go after it every day. And, um, you know, now it's on us to to help him manage that through fatigue and, you know, to your questions about, like, him getting top lot, like, these games are hard for him now. Um, when you're the focal point, like, there's a wear down effect that that comes as the season goes on. I, I can guarantee you Lowry's probably expending more energy in an NBA game than he ever has in his career. So um, it's great that he's done the work to be in tremendous shape. Um, and now it's about, you know, maintaining that recovery and understanding that he's going to have to keep working at that to maintain this level. Thanks, guys. Coach Will Hardy at the podium there. Jazz win 118 to 102 against this uh, teal wearing San Antonio team. We don't see the same teal jerseys on uh, on Tuesday, will we? Or we? Uh, what's, what's? I think they got to change them up. You have to. It's part of the deal. Like you bring a couple of changes of clothes when you come into town, and they're not going to be wearing the teal anymore. I think that Ochayabaji. Chris Dunn, these are names we've been talking about, you and I have been talking about all night because 
it, they're guys who stepped up on a night where JC's having struggling behind the uh, the three point arc and just not not finding a shot really anywhere on the on the court. It seemed like to have guys step up and to have like a quiet twenty seven points from Lowry. Uh, it, it's a uh, Tremendous to see him kind of come back on there, but even Taylor Horton Tucker, THT had the energy. You said it too. We're watching. It was just like, wow, he's in a, he's in a little different level of energy right now in this basketball game. Well, they needed it. They needed to have somebody go out there, show a little bit of fight, show some grit, show some energy because they didn't have it coming into the game in the first half, and it flipped in the second half. Lowry had 14 in the fourth quarter, and that's what big-time players do. They And it's winning time when it's time for the superstar to take over, they finally do it. And that's what he needs to do because he's the number one option. Everybody's looking at him. His confidence is through the roof. He's getting easy shots, the dunks that he's getting. You know, I did a video about this on utahjazz.com. You find it, just search on YouTube, Utah Jazz. Lowry Markinen is getting to the rim at a rate he hasn't his entire career. He... His most dunks that he had in the season was 63 heading into this year. Where are we at now? 92. <laughs> he and smashed you, it. And you know what's funny? Is we were like, he had a dunk at what, like his first like real throwdown was probably in, in the, the third, second half. The third quarter. Yeah. And you and I are both like, well, Chiefs took him long enough. Just because you get this attitude yeah. of like, Lowry is supposed to have a semi-acrobatic dunk two or three times in the first half. And then his second, the second half is really kind of interesting. I mean, he has fast starts. Mm-hmm. And it was the opposite. You saw it in the game on Wednesday, too. That's what he does. It, it's very similar to the real first breakout game that he had against Phoenix. When he, he hit that shot over Devin Booker, fading away, it almost looked Durantish because he's a seven-footer using all that height, and you can't do anything to block it. When he's doing that, and he's in the, that mode of confidence where he's making impossible shots, that's when you know you really can't stop this guy. This if you're Durantish... That's you're in a good spot. Yeah. If you're Durant esque, also a good place to be. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll uh, bid adieu to our uh, to our affiliates, our network affiliates, and uh, we'll come back here locally. We've got more to go around the corner. JP Chunga, Alex Kiri sitting in for Jake and the coach Tim Lacombe. We'll be back more around the corner before we do. Utah Jazz most valuable educators presented by Instructure, makers of Canvas throughout the season. Utah Jazz and Instructure. I will recognize uh, 21 MVEs. Each one's going to receive a visit from the Jazz Bear, a $1,000 grant, and a personalized jersey, plus tickets to watch a jazz game in a suite. Go to nba.com slash jazz slash MVE and nominate your favorite educator right now. More to go around the corner. It's the Utah Jazz Radio Network. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. 
with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Welcome back. It is your Utah Jazz post game right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Alex Curie filling in for Jake Scott and J.P. Chunga from the Utah Jazz. Nice enough to be in the place of the coach tonight. Uh, who was the guy, who are the guys who tonight you went? Th- those are the ones that Will Hardy looked at and went. That's the guy that I want to highlight tonight uh, because even when Ochai Abaji and, and Chris Dunn, you see some of these guys, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. What ends up happening when this energy gets hit by those guys, then Walker Kessler suddenly starts having his most energetic moments of the game, too. It's, it's absolutely contagious when those guys go in and somebody takes over the game a little bit. I think Chris Dunn certainly proved himself as a very good contributing NBA-level player tonight. He entered, interjected, and kind of slowed down a little bit what Malachi Branham was doing to the Jazz o- offensively. His defense is always going to be highlighted, but his offense was great. He had 10 points in his first stint that he came off the bench, and the Jazz needed it because they were lagging. It was sluggish. Nobody else showed up to the game except Chris Dunn, and he's got to show up to the game because he's getting punched by Jeremy Sochan, apparently, (laughs) and Uh, he's surviving a haymaker from Rocky. It was a heavyweight-type punch. He could take a punch. And then when we watched the replay, went, Okay. It was a shove. He shoved him. It looks like he's going to stay in the game. Not even a technical foul. But there you go. But, but again, the guys who come in and make, these, make a difference, you expect 25 and a half out of uh, Lowry Markkinen on a nightly basis. And you got it t- tonight with 27 points. And he turned it on in the second half. Uh, Chris Dunn's 15 points. Where does that work in? Because as soon as, you know, Colin Sexton comes back, obviously you start to move down that guard order and you, you start to see, but, but that's the type of stuff. These are the guys that are Will Hardy type guys. Nikhil Alexander Walker probably would have been the defensive answer or defensive Chris Dunnish player. I'm using Dunnish. Dunnesque. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dunnesque <laughs> um, for the team before the trade deadline. And he's, he proved himself to be a pretty good defender, had a good stretch against Steph Curry earlier this year from Nikhil Alexander Walker. But, that defense can translate because, I mean, Will said this in pregame. He doesn't believe in people not playing a game. Doke's going to get minutes. Somebody's going to get run that didn't expect it into the game. Uh, speaking of one of those energy guys bringing, that, uh, bringing the heat tonight, Taylor Horton Tucker, THT from the locker room. Take a listen to his reaction in the postgame after the win against the Spurs tonight. Make adjustments yourselves from what the Spurs were doing early on. What were they doing early to have success and what – like, what counters did you guys have that kind of enabled you to get going? Uh, earlier in the game, they were starting kind of like top locking all our pin downs and being a little bit more aggressive, not letting us get to our spots and stuff like that. So, you know, just over the course of the game, we kind of, you know, found a you know, level of comfort and, um, you know, just tried to you know, execute as much as possible. I feel like, you know, towards the third quarter and the fourth, we tried to execute a lot more. Obviously, two games now in a row of you starting at point guard. You talk about finding a comfort level. Like, how have you done that over the over the course of these couple of games as your role has grown? Um, just seeing that obviously coming off the bench is a lot different from starting. So just being able to kind of find some consistency, you know, finding the rhythm with those guys and trying to get those guys going, like JC and uh, Laurie, even Walker and you know Kale. So just being able to, you know, try and find some consistency with that, take care of the ball. Obviously tonight was a little bit, you know, hard with that, but. Um, 
you know, just really trying to get better overall. We saw guys like Chris and Ochai really kind of help make a difference in the game with their energy. What did you see out of them in terms of kind of getting things going? Uh, exactly what you just said. You know, they use their energy and their youthfulness to, you know, kind of, you know, give us a big boost that we need, especially when we, you know, was kind of down the first half, uh, especially Chris coming in, you know, uh, cause havoc on the defensive end, and then you know being steady on offense is good. And then Ochai just coming in, being aggressive and then catch and shoot, and you know actually just being more than a catch and shoot player as well. Ochai's been doing so. You know, kudos to those guys. It's been a few games where you guys have been down in the second half. Um, is there, or even start at halftime? Is, is there, a, is there a guy on the team, or is it the coaching staff? Is there a voice in there that is? encouraging you guys it's kind of been driving you guys motivationally in the second half uh, i feel like the coaches have always you know try to you know give us the extra push that we need but it really comes from within all the guys in here are pretty much on the same page and every time you know something something happens we kind of stick together and i feel like you know when we stick together stuff like you know tonight you know is the outcome so so Lowry's having a tough game you know sohan seems like he's a great defender and then all of a sudden i just get off for 14 in the fourth quarter yeah. what were kind of the what are the adjustments he made, and yes, what makes him so good that he can just go off? Like that? Not saying anything bad about Sohan or anything. Yeah. We just he just was missing shots to start. You know, we didn't hit any threes. So when you know that's not happening, it's kind of easy for people to guard us and make comments like that. But you know, Laurie's who he is. So you know, I expect him to pick it up, and you know that's what he did. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Appreciate it. Taylor Horton Tucker from the locker room. No offense to uh, Sohan for. Uh, but he just couldn't make any shots tonight. So you can't talk trash like that if you're not gonna if you're not gonna make shots. And if you're gonna have pink hair, you got to bring it. He's a little chippy. He he got into it with a Miami Heat player, I think, earlier on in the year. So he's he's willing to do that. He's stealing Dennis Rodman's vibe. He has the number. He has the he's number. got the hair. Yeah, and a little bit of the attitude. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it was interesting tonight to see what what it took for the Jazz to kind of wake up a little bit. And it was not even that when they were getting pushed around in the first half and, and, and having a couple moments where, I mean, I, you have nights, and I think we talked about this in the pregame where it was just like, you know, Jordan Clarkson, there's a certain amount of, of something that you expect out of him every night. And there are nights that he has this, and he's always going to have the green light, but a nine-point night on really not very good shooting and, and just his shot was off and he was upset about it. And so you have to have guys like Taylor Horton Tucker and Chris Dunn and Ochai Abaji who end up coming in and going between the, between those guys who are all in double figures like that. You don't have to have a perfect night from Jordan Clarkson, not even close, which that's, is tough. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to this last 20 games is figuring out what Taylor Horton Tucker is in the NBA because he's going to get the ball a lot. When you're in L.A. against the Lakers and you're playing with LeBron, you're not going to get the ball as much, okay, especially when you're, you're trying to make headway on a contending team. Taylor Horton Tucker's on his squad that's fighting for playing position, trying to be in that play on play in battle. And without Colin Sexton, he's getting the ball to start against ones. And it's very different from coming off the bench and playing the twos. You know it from every level of sports, playing the twos is different from playing the ones. And Taylor Horton Tucker adjusting that. He's had good floor games, had eight, nine assists the first two games after the trade deadline. He needs to continue to look for others and their shot, and be a playmaker, which he's shown his entire career, but make it more efficiently and do it do it the right way. Because that first quarter where he's just attacking and going to the rim with reckless abandon, if he's doing it within the context of kicking it out, attacking the rim and kicking it out, that's when the Jazz get their, 
uh, better looks because that's what Alex Jensen said. The first action was never going to be the best shot. Second, third actions, that's where you're going to see the success. When he's when he made reference to getting out and making those, you know, getting out and actually setting some screens, being active underneath the hoop a little bit instead of just kind of, you know, uh, staying stagnant there near the uh, near the hoop. And then he said to get flat. What on earth does that mean? So this is something that Mike Conley is amazing at, um, where. He, he makes a drive, and he's going underneath the basket and dribbles out from one side to the other. And you've got shooters all directions. Yes. you got one in the corner, got one in the wing, got one in the other wing as well. You've spread so everybody out. You spread everybody out. So you're flat, but everybody else has angles to receive the pass and get the ball. And what San Antonio was doing was they were playing that aggressively when you're looking out for those shooters. They were top-locking, which means they're – making sure that they're covering the top of you so you can't get those threes, so they want you to cut in for twos inside the lane. So that's where the top locking uh, does it for them because they want you to cut back door and into their defense in the middle as they're congesting the paint. So if you're in the congested paint, you take bad shots, you rush shots, you're taking shots that you're not used to. And the Jazz are a big three-point shooting team. Right. I don't know how many threes they got up tonight, but I bet it wasn't to their average, and I no. bet it wasn't – uh, to the way that they ideally would go it out. Well, and in the them. first half, I think they only taken 11. Exactly. And they're usually around 20. Right. They're usually at yeah, I think it maybe ended at, they ended at maybe 33, I think, for the night. So, uh, oh, let's jump in while we, while we have uh, Ochai Abaji also uh, in the locker room. Let's take a listen to him in the postgame. Just to what I do is, you know, just staying with that work, so. And, and I guess now kind of reflecting on that, what did that period do for you or what have you gained since then? Um, a lot, a lot of knowledge. I feel like um, watching the game. Uh, I think just sitting courtside, just watching the game, uh, talking to the guys that are on the court, seeing what they see, picking their brains. Um, that's something that I I was really intentional about. Um, not just sitting there watching the games, but getting something out of it, whether I was playing or not. Um, so I think that that helped me prepare for for being on the court. So. Feels like you've you've taken some gradual steps as you have gotten playing time. Mm-hmm. You were. First, it was being willing to take the corner three and knocking those down. And now it seems like tonight we saw, and tonight especially we saw you take the step of instead of passing, instead of passing on drives to the basket, actually going looking to score and mm-hmm. finish. What what uh, has led you to that mindset? Um, just kind of like I was just talking about there. Um, what, you know, asking guys on the court what they see, um, as far as just with me playing and, and stuff they've seen so far and. Um, I was talking to Rudy, and he was like, you know, when you when you get the ball, you want to look at the basket, you know, um, look to drive, look look for those opportunities because you never know. Um, so, you know, if I if I you know when I get the ball and, and have that mindset and um, just get downhill aggressively and make a play, not only for me but for someone else, um, then it'll just you know be good things for our offense. Chris has only been here a couple of days, but obviously he had a huge impact on the game tonight. Mm-hmm. What have you noticed out of him just in the short time you've been around? Just his approach, his approach to everything. Um, he comes in with the with the best attitude, um, always trying to get better, and I think just bring some sort of energy and different energy and um, intensity to to our team. And um, like you guys saw, just on the defensive end, um, picking picking steals, rebounds, big rebounds, um, just communicating, being being a leader out there, um, just stuff he does. So uh, it's just really it's really nice having him on the team. He came in with a reputation as a great defensive player, but mm-hmm. like. What specifically have you seen that like makes him so good on that? Uh, the talking, um, keeping everybody organized, um, 
it's it's nice when one person does it, but when you have multiple guys, um, you know, doing it at the same time, you know, he's he's getting you know everyone else along uh, as far as talking on the defensive end. That's only going to help us uh, moving forward, and that's what it helped us in that second half. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Ochai your post game right there, uh, giving you a little bit of a, a peek into how this team was able to get that energy back in that second half and to to see them respond like that. Really, really good stuff. We're going to come back. we got more to talk about. JP's got thoughts uh, on how this thing rolls out and then how the next few games I'm interested to see uh, handling uh, San Antonio again and then hitting the road uh, for a two-for down in OKC. Uh, we'll take a break here when we do. Oh, I, you know what i got to get to tonight? I love it because I know it's a shocker to you, but the master of the glass tonight is Walker Kessler. Oh, really? 12 wow. rebounds uh, for the uh, rookie. Jazz fans, Safe Light Auto Glass is proud to present this year's Master of the Glass, the rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light is going to donate five bucks to charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's uh, team leading rebounder. You sure it's Walker? I mean, I'm looking. I wow. double checked. Tonight it was tonight was him. Oh, it might be somebody else next game, but I don't know. And what's funny is his 12 rebounds. We kind of go, oof. But at the end of with four blocks, too. I'm Ended sure. up with four blocks again tonight, so there you go. Uh, we'll take the break here. More to go around the corner. It's Utah Jazz Radio Network. It is the post game. Jazz win at 118-102. More to go around the corner. Stay with us. Running hook. Blocked it. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my. <laughs> Welcome back. It's your Utah Jazz post game here on the Jazz Radio Network. Alex Keery and J.P. Chunga filling in for Jake and the coach. Uh, big win for the Jazz tonight, 118-102. Is it a big win? I mean, it was big in the sense that that was a massive swing in the second half. I mean, they're down 10 at the half, and then they end up winning this thing by 16. But uh, you heard Ochai. It is uh, a very energetic uh, Ochai Abaji at his, uh, at his locker after the – I mean, these guys – it's so much. It's so much work that they put in in practice and things like that. And when you come into a game and nobody's acting like they ever act, you know, it's not a Will Hardy type team. But they've had these flat starts before, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't result in them coming back. But it does help when the Spurs are just a team who is, uh, you know, trying to figure everything out and definitely plays about three quarters <laughs> and then they're done. It's a big win uh, if you're looking at San Antonio. They want to get more losses for Wembenyama. When you're thinking about it that way, you know, they want to keep on tanking and get in that direction. And I suppose big win for the Jazz uh, when it comes to the playing scenarios for how that works. Make sure to check out uh, the broadcast with David Locke and Ron Boone. They'll explain it to you. But the way that they got it tonight, the way that they responded in the second half, how not only was it the Chris Dunn setting the table or – Rudy Gay coming in to be a small ball five when they needed something different to throw against San Antonio and their defense. It was Lowry finishing it off in the fourth quarter. It was Walker Kessler dominating per usual, controlling the paint, providing rim protection that this team sorely needs. And ultimately, you know, some teams are 48-minute teams, some teams aren't. And San Antonio isn't a 48-minute team, 48 team right now. They just don't have it in them. The Jazz, though, if they play the way that they can and are to their level, they are a 48-minute team because they're always going to be competitive. They're always going to have that fire lit under them by Will Hardy, and it results in these type of games where they get that response, and it looks much better than it felt 
with the 118-102 win. Depth is a huge issue. I mean, like, that's the kind of thing where that's how you can play 48, you know, the 48 minutes when you have guys coming off the bench that will bring you a different level of energy. And, and it seems to change on a nightly basis. And it seems that when you get a guy like Chris Dunn, I just want to know what that looks like for him going forward, J- JP. Like, what is the next thing for him? Like, how, how is it that he fits in? long-term to this, or I mean long-term for this season, the long of the short-term yeah. of this, like where does he fit in? Because he's one of these guys and add him to the list of, you know, scores. It feels like it's been this year of, of a guy who will just show up and he'll be the energy and he will bring something different. And he's a Will Hardy kind of guy. He's a jazz DNA kind of guy. He's trying to play his way back into an NBA rotation. That's significant. So what does a, a future look like for him? Is it a, is it the next 10 day contract that he's working toward and then what then what after that for Chris Dunn he's working for that next 10-day contract and he knows that as he's playing even more teams are watching these games and realizing what he's doing because he can provide something at an NBA skill and seeing his offense and the way that he's been in control and not played out of himself offensively that's something that if you're looking at an NBA player how realistic are they with their game and do they do the things that highlight what they're good at? That's what you saw from Chris Dunn tonight. That's why he scored so much, because he's good at attacking the rack. But shooting, like if you saw him throw six three-pointers up tonight, that's with not within his game. You do not <laughs> want to see that. He cannot shoot straight from the perimeter. But the fact that he's attacking the, the basket and getting shots at the rim, finishing, that goes a long way to proving to yourself that I can go more than a 10-day contract. I can finish the season with the team. Let's walk you down to the locker room and Walker Kessler standing by his locker answering questions in the post game here. You don't come back. Yeah, no, I think it was it was pretty important. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what what I do. Um, so just I don't like people scoring my paint. And I, you know, didn't want them to score my paint to win. As good a night as you had, it seemed like you had a lot of success. Oh my gosh! Went yeah, to, we had a lot uh, of that guys. small ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no question. Wow. What did you see out of that group? Um, I think with the small ball, you know, allowing us to, to switch on the screens is, you know, it kind of gives a different look to the to the opposing team. Um, and obviously, all those guys are really good offensively, and you know, they're really good defenders as well. And the only thing like you could say is like, oh, when you go small, like rebounding, but they're all great at just being scrappy and you know, not letting guys get the boards. I noticed start of the game you had you had an open three on the wing and you yeah went, you went for the dunk face instead yeah yeah you know um, I like staying at the top of the league in percentage three point percentage so you know I must stick with that for a little <laughs> bit so that, it wasn't design three like like last game then no it was not design three no that was a that was a designed play well maybe one day we'll we'll see it come back out but for right now we're gonna. Kind of stick to what we do. <laughs> There's Walker Kessler. You love hearing that stuff, right? It's just like, <laughs> let's let's keep it rolling. Keep those keep those bombs coming, Walker. We love it. He got a play ran for him in the first play of the game <laughs> against OKC. He should be clamoring for more three point opportunities. You were at uh, All Star Saturday yes. night, right? Yes. Where he was sinking threes from the corner. Absolutely. You know. I talked to Bruce Pearl on the podcast, and he said when he was recruiting Walker, Walker was shooting threes in high school. He was more of a perimeter-oriented guy. He even said he didn't. He's like, I didn't even play defense in high school. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. That comes later when you start to realize, how am I going to stay on the floor? Oh, yeah, I'm seven foot 
seven feet tall, I better start blocking some shots. And he does. 11 block shots tonight, by the way, for the Jazz as a team. Uh, five of those credited to uh, Walker Kessler. So uh, while it took a minute to get going, that type of energy ends up showing up. Uh, and, and a team like the San Antonio Spurs, who are outmatched normally under the hoop, but we just we, we got a dose of Udoka Azubuke in the in the first half. That you know, once you go, okay, how long is how long is this going to happen? When does Walker Kessler come back in the game? And and uh, you know, how how often do you get to see Doke uh, in the first half for that kind of a stretch? You know, that's just something that he's being asked to do, and you didn't see him. You know, that's something that Walker or that. Uh, that Will Hardy wants out of out of Doke. He goes like, "I'm, I'm. We're going to keep throwing you some minutes here, uh, but you, every guy is asked to do something different." I, Simone Fontecchio came in and gave you 13 yep. minutes and 11 points, and he and he hit threes, and you're like, "Okay." And he doesn't, and and he had a bad stretch where he wasn't hitting those three pointers, and Will Hardy said, "Hey, keep shooting it, man." And they don't they don't let you shoot them if they don't say you're allowed to shoot them. You know, they they want you to do your thing if that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's the realistic part of the NBA, realizing where you are in your journey. What am I good at? How do I stay on the floor? I go back to this story, you know, every time I think about this, where George Niang, he was being coached up by Alex Jensen. And George was at a point where he joined the team in Summer League, and he was balling out. He was like a 20-point-per-game scorer when I was watching him down in Vegas. And in the NBA, is it going to be that? Absolutely not. But he goes to Alex Jensen, and A.J. says to him, you stand in the corner, and you hit 40% of these threes, and you defend just well enough at your position, you're going to get minutes in the league. And that's what he did. That's what George did and sculpted his game to do when he got to the big club and when he was playing with the Jazz. Did you see, uh, did you see George the other night get into it? Dylan Brooks was in the mix. Of course. Joel Embiid. Dylan Brooks has to be in the middle of it. I just love that George went over, stole the ball from somebody, and wanted to be a part of that. Well, he's extra as well. I don't know yes. if if you've talked to George. That guy is a little extra yes. when he's he's theatrical. He enjoys doing the media game. Because he wants he's pretty, to be in the middle. He's pretty good at it, and he wants to be in the middle. Dylan Brooks, one of the pretty good villains in this league. Sochan might be uh, catching up as trying to be a villain in this league. As when well. other players start to go, you know, that's just what he does. That's what his game is. Yeah. It didn't really work tonight against us. You know, I, I love that. And, look, you got to have that in the league. Got to have it. All right. We'll take another break here. We'll come back. We'll, we'll uh, bring you some more sound as soon as it comes to us, and we're, we're going to uh, walk you through this thing. My Subaru is a campaign that features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story. So share yours at uh, the Mark Miller Subaru owners' stories there at mysubaruis.com. Mysubaruis.com. We'll come back. More to go around the corner. It's the Jazz Radio Network. It's a post game. Jazz with the W, 118-102 against the Spurs. Back after this, more to go. The outcome is in the books. Now, let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Welcome back. It's the Jazz Postgame right here on your Jazz Radio Network. Alex Curie filling in for Jake Scott and J.P. Chunga. Utah Jazz, master of all things in the digital space. Hey, will you drop again where people can watch you on YouTube? Because then uh, I'll go down that rabbit hole tonight. Why not? Sure. It's called Side Notes on the Utah Jazz YouTube channel. I did one on Walker. I did one on um, Jordan Clarkson, one on Lowry. So some videos, explainers, what they do good, what they 
uh, have excelled at this year. And then also the podcast, Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Coming up this week, talking to Avery Johnson, the former Spurs player, former coach of Colin Sexton. That's why I'm talking to him, to talk about Colin Sexton, where he's gone in his journey. Timely. Both things, the Spurs, Spurs. And, yeah. and Colin Sexton. Uh they're going to reevaluate on Monday that hamstring. Um, I'm interested to see when uh, when he'll be back and then what the rotation looks like even after that when that, once that happens and see which guys kind of float to the top there. Because you still have to evaluate Colin Sexton and what he is for this team as the number one guard. Yeah. Because with Mike, when you're playing alongside Mike Conley, whew, job is easy. Tough man. Th- a tough thing to be compared to afterward too when you're the guy with the ball in your hand. It is. It is tough to be compared to Mike Conley, but also. I mean, if you're going to be in this league, Mike's 34, 35. Yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's not going to be around Kessel, forever. Or he's uh, he's Will Hardy age. Yeah, like. he's Will Hardy's <laughs> age, which is, you know, the ripe age. And he's not going to be around for forever, so you have to take the training wheels off. You have to see what Talon Horton Tucker is like playing with starters. You have to see what Colin Sexton is like playing without Mike Conley and in his starters role because it's very different from being a bench energy guy. That's something that he provided – in the first iteration of the Jazz. I, I feel like we've seen, you know, Scary Movie 5 version of the Jazz as far as the iterations of, one, Walker Kessler isn't starting. It's going to be Jared Vanderbilt. Then Kessler's going to be starting for this team. Then we're taking Mike Conley away. He's been traded. Now uh, Colin Sexton's going to be the starting point guard. Now Taylor Horton Tucker's going to come in for uh, the injury that it's been. You've seen very different versions of the Jazz and how they operate, and you're getting a lot of data points to figure out, okay, who's going to be around for long haul? Who who can be a part of really good winning teams for the future of the Jazz? Uh, your Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the night, Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the game. Download the whole new way to the Chick to earn your Chick-fil-A rewards just right there in the Chick-fil-A One app. And so take advantage. The Jazz tonight, 22 for 28 from the line, uh, 78.5%, and then the uh, the Spurs, seventeen for twenty-one for eighty-one percent for them. Uh, Jazz, I mean, like that's a that's a deep, that's a really good night of uh, free throw shooting for these guys. We'll take another break here. We'll come back. We've got more around the corner. We're going to bring uh, put a nice little bow on everything with this Jazz win tonight. Thirty-one and thirty-one on the season. The Jazz are in the seventh spot in the West. And uh, yes, work the math out. Seven, eight games, nine, ten games. Maybe start to uh, to to get buff on exactly what it means to be in those spots if you're a Jazz fan because it might end up being that place. Lots of basketball still to get played and more to go around the corner here. We'll wrap things up next on the Jazz Radio Network. Running hook, blocked it. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my. 103-96. Horton Tucker, open side, pick and roll with Mark, and that means nobody's on that side. Two-man game. Here comes Horton Tucker, driving the lane, body contact, right-hander, no. Rebound, battle for it, tied up. Kessler rips it out, kicks to Abaji. Three ball, good! A rookie combo! Offensive rebound, kick out to Ochai, Jazz by 10. To Utah Jazz post game, brought to you by Mark Miller, Subaru, Alex Curry. J.P. Chunga filling in for the guys. They'll be back shortly. I'm assuming they're going to be back next game. But if not, J.P., will you uh, just keep filling in, man? Just I'm keep... available. <laughs> you are available. 
Now you might hit the road with the Jazz in these next couple of games. That'd be that. It'd be interesting. But a two nighter in uh, in in OKC is not what uh, a lot of people plan out for the season. And that stadium has a lot of a lot of uh, nostalgia, but not good nostalgia for Jazz uh, broadcasters because of that. Because of uh, what happened on March 11th of 2020, people were like, "Oh boy, this place." <laughs> and, and not good for you. No, no, they that stole was a, your team. No, they did. Uh, that those people uh they're thieves thieves in the night they're like hey look we love seattle too we yeah. want to keep this team here forever and you're like i you are a liar Clay that bennett yes right? yes and uh still david Locke and i are both awaiting the time when a uh, supersonics team will be back in seattle and i'll be and i'll be back at key arena again which is not key arena anymore but there we are they should have a, a professional franchise in seattle it's such a good but basketball they will, right? market. Yeah, like we're talking about, and they should and the next iteration of expansion. They will. Yeah, they will. That Please. that in Vegas. Vegas yes. should have a a pro team because they've proved it with the NHL. I don't know if you've been to an NHL Absolutely. game down there, but it's amazing the atmosphere, the fact that everybody's wearing one of those Golden Knight sweaters. They support their pro teams down yes. there. It's yeah. like people in Summerlin and like Henderson yeah. are like, I've been a fan my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, for two years. I love it. Congratulations, and that's good. That's. That's good for the league that they're having a little bit. Maybe expansion. the next iteration for Ryan Smith at all is the uh, is another NHL and or Major League Baseball team. We certainly uh, are over here praying for it. My heavens! I would love to have an NHL team. Yes, I love. Uh, did you play NHL growing up? Uh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Shell? Sega Genesis. Oh yeah, that was my uh, that was my jam. Now even prior to that, it was uh, it was Blades of Steel on the old Nintendo Entertainment System. Where you could have fights, and when you won the fights, the other guy gets dragged off the ice. You stay on the ice. Wow, it was amazing. It was amazing. I enjoyed playing NHL '07 or whatever with Yarmir Yager on <laughs> on the cover, and you would take Jeremy Moronic because he was still playing. Sure, he he would fight in the game, yep. and he would win every single fight. Uh, it worked. But Yarmir Yager also in the games that I played significantly a long time even before you started playing <laughs> yeah. yours. The games that I played as a kid. He so. was on a couple teams uh, <laughs> of like with the Rangers by the time that I was. I love hockey. Playing. They're like, he's 71. He's still going. <laughs> yes, he is. He has right. no knees, no cartilage <laughs> in his knees anymore. But uh, he's still playing. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you your uh, post-game show. The My Subaru Is campaign. Share your story there. Uh, Subaru owners are diverse, and you can share your story. MySubaruIs.com. Mark Miller Subaru. Jazz uh, against the Spurs again on Tuesday. Then they hit the road for a double dipper in OKC. Um, they could really see this thing. A fi- the five games out of the, out of the All-Star break, JP, we looked at and we went, hold on a minute. They could go four and one in these games. Uh, and that's kind of that's a good start so far in overtime win against OKC. And then uh, coming back and getting a big win tonight. I wouldn't expect much different on Tuesday. But this is an interesting stretch here. The Jazz could end up four or five games above 500 in the next few weeks here, in the next couple of days. They started the break with 11 games at home, 11 games on the road to remain, and the rest of the opponents that they had were below 500 if you combined all their sure. records. So it was a pretty favorable schedule down the stretch. You've got OKC, who you're battling for in the play-in race. You have San Antonio, clearly, uh, once again. And those games will determine whether you're going to have those opportunities to jump up the standings or down, because Locke alluded to this, the Lakers are coming. They really are. They're making that push to make the playoffs because they can't have their pick, go to New Orleans for nothing, and it be bad. And then you see New Orleans slinking down. You see other 
teams like Portland having struggles and not necessarily being all bought in on making the playoffs. So these games will be impactful, and the Jazz having those games at home against this San Antonio team, which struggles, 16 straight losses now Mm. that it's gone to. They aren't a 48-minute team. But Utah figuring it out how to play without Colin Sexton as he uh, hopefully gets some good news coming up here on Monday and figuring out how to get other guys beyond Lowry going. Jordan Clarkson needs a bounce-back game coming up against San Antonio. You'd like to see um, Taylor Horton Tucker shoot the ball better uh, coming up against San Antonio. Opportunities for a lot of players to continue to evaluate. And I think going to the playoffs, it's always a good thing. OKC needs to go to the playoffs because that young group needs to experience postseason basketball like the Grizzlies did a couple years back yeah. against the Jazz. It's good for you, along with the development of your players, to win. You know, it, Tanking is in vogue, but winning, winning can help you as well. Uh, it's all about expectations. Managing expectations. That's kind of a life lesson there, JP. Oh, yeah. It's like everything. Your team's... Your personal life. <laughs> if you manage those expectations, you will. There be there's a level of happiness you can find yourself. And that's where Jazz fans are right now. Thirty one and thirty one. We talk about how difficult the schedule or how the schedule is eased up, so to speak, over the next mm-hmm. uh, you know twenty ish games. You go, yeah, but at the same time, at the beginning of the season, it was murder's row. It was. Every week, we were looking at this team and going, man, they have an impossible stretch here. Man, they have no days off. Man, the back to backs. And now I think uh, that payoff you start to see now when the games start to loosen up a little bit and uh, might get really, really interesting. JP, fun night tonight, man. Been a pleasure. I kept low, low expectations for the listeners, see, for me. Uh, well, was, and, for, and for us, how it was going to work. It was our first time working together. Well, and expectations low, they exceeded them. Yes. Jump That's over the bar. Do. Yeah, put them at this, the floor. Our, in, our, our job tonight was like the 2022-2023 Utah Jazz. You didn't expect it, and here we are, 31-31. Ceiling is the roof, yeah. as Michael Jordan said. We got to 500 tonight, JP. All right, we'll, we'll, take, take, uh, we'll take the break here and uh, say goodnight to everybody. It's the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Jazz win 118-102 uh, Tuesday night. Back here at home again against the San Antonio Spurs. Jamil, thank you so much for tonight, and uh, we will bid adieu here. For JP, I'm Alex. We'll see you next time, everybody. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.